Hello and welcome back to the Off the Crossbar podcast with myself, Regan Walsh, and as ever, Brad Morris, in which we will be discussing all the weekend's action up and down the country and all the stuff from Europe. But before we do that, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us from and follow us on Twitter at OffTCPod for all the latest news and stories. So, Brad, how are you on this Monday afternoon? Or Monday morning, sorry. Um, well, let's just say I'm slammed with uni work and even the football can't keep me from stressing badly. Yeah, so when your football team's also shite, it doesn't help either. Oh, I know that feeling go too, oh too well. I mean, it's Which been... one that slammed by uni work or that your team's shite? Both. However, more recently, <laughs> my team being shite. It's been a depressing season, but we'll get on to our teams later. We've only got one place that we can start really this past weekend, and that is, of course, the action that took place on Saturday afternoon at Stamford Bridge between Chelsea and Brentford. And it was the away side that ran out 4-1 winners. I mean, it still seems crazy to say now, 4-1 victory for Brentford. Yeah, you can't help but feel shocked a result like that in in what and also it just has that hilarious fact if you've seen that it took place almost a year after they conceded five against West Bromwich Albion yeah like wasn't it like five two against West Brom yes it was the day that Callum Robertson mm. became an unreal player <laughs> and the day he stopped being an unreal player yeah <laughs> But yeah, uh, such an incredible result for uh, Brentford. And one player who has been in incredible form recently, Christian Eriksen. I mean, continued his great form in this game, uh, getting a goal. And he's just looked really well over these last uh, two, three weeks of playing football, which is a great thing to see. Yeah, it's gone from the amazing feel-good story to, oh my God, he's a very, very good player again. Like, it's not like has he only he, signed six months with Brentford? Yeah. Yeah, you know, he wouldn't be the worst thing the for another club to look at and go. Could we tempt him? I'm looking at Newcastle mm. in this situation. I don't know whether he would, because I I think they may potentially like start talks again over the summer. Brentford, but um, like, don't get me wrong, I expect that like Brentford will be the first ones knocking on the door, and he'd probably hear them mm. out first more than anyone but I wouldn't rule it out for other clubs if they were really interested yeah uh, and his quality definitely has shown over the last two three weeks but yeah it was just a strange situation for, for Chelsea because obviously they go 1-0 up very early on in the second half and you think oh, okay this is going to be typical Thomas Tuchel side now for the rest of the second half they'll be uh, a lot more clinical than there was in the first half and they may get another two goals or so and you'd expect Chelsea to be able to see out the game but that just didn't happen they just got completely flustered by Brentford uh, attack and ended up conceding the four goals The big thing with Chelsea that is almost well lauded about them is their defence and yet in this yeah. it was absolutely laughable at times yeah. That second goal has got me the most if you'd seen the highlights of it. Mm. Oliver Tony gets the ball, he's running, there's two of them on him already. And then you've got Kante, who I could only gather did not see Christian Eriksen running by him. 
Kanze then goes towards Tony, which just leaves Eriksen completely open on his own, and Tony's managed to get the ball to him, and it's an easy goal then for Eriksen. Yeah, it, like you say, it's just very un Chelsea like to see that stuff happening to them. Like you say, they've been lauded for their defensive uh, strong points throughout the season, and well, even the whole reign under Thomas Tuchel. But like you say, that second goal that was just basic defensive errors, uh, and it's just unlike Chelsea to see that kind of stuff happen. I think I might have actually been wrong in saying it was old Tony. I think it might be. I can't think of who it was. Maybe Yanel or someone like that. But it wasn't Ivan Tony because I remember actually now that Ivan Tony was, no, was uh, on the other side of Ericsson. So even if Ericsson wasn't there, it would have gone to Ivan Tony, which is even more shocking. It was that uh, Brian Embuemo. Yeah, it was one of them. It was a Brentford player. Yeah, that's what all we can say. Yes, uh, but yeah, it's just like so crazy to see like how good Brentford were like in terms of out of the six shots they had on target they ended up scoring four of them which you got to give them credit for doing but considering that it's a game where you expected Chelsea to heavily dominate in terms of possession and chances created Brentford gave it to them the whole 90 minutes and put up a really good fight and obviously were more clinical on the day than Chelsea were yeah all credit to them more teams need to start challenging the top teams there is this thing of, oh you can't challenge them because they're too good and they'll just punish you in beyond the space yeah, but you'll also punish them by going at them and it gives them something to think about mm. and for Brentford that was just absolutely perfect I mean obviously they're not going to or we highly highly doubt that they're going to get relegated this oh, they're season not. they're just not now yeah, yeah. Um, so first season in the Premier League, mid-table finish. Can't complain. Um, no complaints from Thomas Frank, who's had a really good first season in the Premier League. Obviously, it started off fantastically, and then they've had their ups and down moments. But now, I think if they can just pick up what about three or four more wins out of their seven remaining games, top ten uh, finish isn't out the window. They're only three points behind uh, Aston Villa in tenth. It's going to be a good season. Well, I think anything uh, above survival is a good season for Brentford. Let's be realistic from people's pre-season predictions. Yeah, we didn't know if they were going to properly adapt to the Premier League. I would say they've done a very credible job. Yeah. But they, they, look, they will be been very upset if they go and do a Sheffield United there. Yeah, that is... Uh, a big, big uh, problem that could potentially face them is if they do that. Uh, next season uh, let's have a look at the other two teams go on I would we're going to move on but I'd like to add another question with Chelsea do you think they'll be getting a bit concerned with Arsenal creeping closer to them I mean there is the potential because obviously Arsenal have a game in hand in them but they've also got two games in hand over Spurs three over West Ham Arsenal so nine points if you count up the games with West Ham that would put them on to 63 points which would obviously then move them above Chelsea but <coughs> there is that potential for it to be worrying but I think Chelsea will find that gear later on this month to kick on and get the results they need to obviously they've got a lot of games to play over the next few weeks because they've uh, they're in Champions League action 
as well and they've got a FA Cup tie against Crystal Palace coming up as well so games are coming thick and fast for Chelsea over this next month of the season so it could be something that could potentially be worrying as we enter the last month yeah. of games but at this moment in time I'd say Chelsea are still favourites to finish third yeah and there's obviously all the stuff behind the scenes ownership stuff yeah. as well so yeah a lot to talk about with Chelsea coming the end of the season we'll move on now yeah so the other two teams uh, at the top of the table easy victories for both of them uh, Liverpool won 2-0 against Watford Diogo Jota and a penalty from Fabinho gave them a 2-0 victory over Watford I mean Watford just their whole idea in this game was just not to get battered in this game, wasn't it? I don't know. Because if you saw the game, like they had their chances. They could have oh, yeah. very easily got some from it, but they didn't take it. And it also didn't help that Ben Foster decided to leave his best goalkeeping for the sidemen collab that he did last night. <laughs> uh, God, I knew that comment was coming from you there. But I don't know why he... Well, yeah, uh, he's jumped very late for that first one. Yeah. Uh, Who did you think Diogo Jossa was, Vicstar? <laughs> I was going to say they look at like what they don't. That, that is horrible. That's <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Manchester City again, 2 0 victory for them against Burnley. De Bruyne and Ilkay Gundogan with the goals, but Raheem Sterling providing the assist for both of them. Good game for him, you got to say. Sterling always turns up against Burnley, I feel. Mm. Again, same thing with City. Was just get the victory, get out of Burnley as fast as they possibly could. But Burnley's made attention. You made that sound obviously. a lot worse than it did. Like they just get the hell out of Burnley. This place is a shit all. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I've never been, but I don't like the stadium. But uh, speaking on Burnley, their main focus point is now obviously their big, big relegation six-pointer on Wednesday evening when they take on Everton. Yeah, should we talk about Everton's game as well? It feels like it only makes sense just to talk about them losing to West Ham. Yeah, 2-1 um, defeat, Cresswell and Jared Bowen with the goals and again another player sent off in the Frank Lampard era, this time Michael Keane picking up a second bookable offence just after the hour mark. Where I misheard this, this was apparently Michael King's first red card of his career, and I'm very shocked at that. Really? I know, I, it sounded weird when I heard it. Hmm. I'll take your word for it because I don't know. But I, I believe thought the words that said were first career red card, and I was going, sure about that. That's a strange one if it is true. I had honestly thought he'd been sent off before, but. Um, on Everton though it is just really really bad how they are doing this season and it's it's like it's just getting more and more uh, worrying it was more daring that they ended up conceding while they were actually in control of the game they got the equaliser and then they were in control they were going at West Ham mm. like West Ham were pretty pressed back but then it was one error from Alex Awobi and then the counter-attack happened. It just was easy. Yeah. I, honestly, it does get you more and more worried the further you look 
at uh, Everton's performances and if like you said they looked comfortable and on the attack and then they conceded the goal like they did it's just like there's the potential for them to actually go down and then be relegated and it's just really really uh, worrying signs for them it is and it's very realistic and if they slip into the bottom three after Wednesday then panic stations I don't think it has to be panic stations uh, if they can I don't know if they can no because I don't believe Watford are playing this midweek so they'd be outside the relegation so if Burnley win they'd be a point behind uh, what do you call it Everton but can I just speak on this for a second as well with Everton if they were to get relegated this season like just imagine next season we could potentially be seeing and I'm just saying this with big big potential Luton Town in the Premier League and Everton in the Championship could you imagine that? I wouldn't have imagined that like five years ago like that (laughs) when you put it like that it's Amazing, and it's also slightly damning because of how well we're on Luton are, given they were in League Two probably five years ago. Yeah, <clears throat> it was just what I was just about to do. Five years ago, Luton at the end of the 2017 18 season, Luton finished second in League Two, and at the end of the 2017 18 season, Everton finished eighth in the Premier League. And next season, Luton could be in the Premier League and Everton in the Championship. That is just damning of how poorly Everton have got managerial appointments post-David Moyes, transfers, just everything has gone really bad. And it's becoming more and more of a problem over this last two or three years. We've been damning of Everton there, but it feels like you're just absolutely lauding Luton Town because we don't talk enough about the Championship. <laughs> Which I've all I mean, thought, we don't, like, but... from Friday... I'm happy to start talking championship because it's hotting up and I'm loving every second of it. Exactly. Uh, Right, let's have a quick uh, look at uh, the Manchester United-Leicester City game because I don't want to spend too much time talking more about my United because it just pains me I would love to spend at least 20 minutes on this, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. uh, Shocking performance from United. Just absolutely woeful. Um, The only good thing is... Fred's still looking like the best player in the world at the minute at Man United. Cough, cough, your best player right now. Other than David De Gea. Yeah. But, I mean, Fred's form over the last month has been incredible. He's found himself in the right areas, I found as well. Mm. He's getting himself involved more. And doing yeah, things, he seems to have found doing that. things right. It works out for you. Like, at least you've got someone on the pitch that knows what they're doing. Mm, uh, and that is about it. I mean, like Gary Neville said, uh, he was like Wait, watching on, soccer at points. <laughs> well, your heads are back, Gary Neville. I mean, I have to in this situation because it was just shocking from United. Gary Neville's always kind of been right with the United stuff. Like, it's, it's all there for mm. us to see. This is not the Manchester United that we've all grown up and known about. This club is in complete dire straits from top to bottom yeah and I've spoken on it many a times the changes I would like but that's why I'm more leaning towards an Eric Ten Hag appointment rather than a Mauricio Pochettino because I just 
feel personally I feel like Pochettino will just continue the same old uh, run of t- things of how the club's been run since Ferguson left where I think Ten Hag would breathe that life of fresh air into the club but you also have to count that is a Ten Hag going to be allowed to do what he would want to do it's not like I ask but you get free reign it's Manchester United mm. you have to do what Darren Fletcher tells you well that's why I'm hoping <laughs> like he's given free reign of like right this is a good few year project that I've got at the club let me do the whole cultural reset we can move on from this is how we used to play under Ferguson and this that and the other just get rid of that mindset and United used to be a fortress yeah we can make it a fortress again just give us a complete rebrand in that sense yeah but that's where also all the United pundits go wrong because they all say oh it's got to be the United way this is our thing producing academy Mm. players just end it you're stuck in the past you have to change that's the only way you'll get better yeah it's becoming quite like delusional and the more I hear former United players saying this like oh this is how it used to be back under Ferguson yeah so Alex Ferguson has been retired for almost a decade now he goes to Aberdeen more than they he goes to Aberdeen League. are at least somewhat enjoyable to watch. And they're not doing well either, right? No, they're in the bottom half of the uh, Scottish Premiership. But uh, back in United, they, they, they haven't looked like winning a Premier League trophy at all in the time post-Ferguson. So let's have a whole cultural reset of the club. Yes, still bring academy players through every year because that's the Man United thing of still having an academy player in their lineup for every match day since fucking the day dot it seems because it's just absolutely incredible to see that but the whole thing of this is how we played under Ferguson this is what the club was like just needs to be gotten rid of it's becoming like it's like a horrible thing to keep having to pe- listen people repeat time and time again just right it's a different era Yes, the club and the badge and the stadium still the same, but everything else has changed. Yeah, so, well, yeah, couldn't put it much different. Should we actually talk about the game? There's not much. Very simple. Leicester should have won. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how that goal was ruled out for Ooh. a potential or for a foul. Like, so it's we're potentially really maybe going to disagree because I know it like at the time I said sound the VAR alarm what is that what have they done but I rewatched it this morning see it a couple of times I didn't see the bit when he does actually kick his leg out and he does stretch him I've only seen the bit when Varane's like stretched out and off balance completely which made me go it's not a foul because he's off balance but mm. like, don't get me wrong it's soft contact and definitely an accident, but it's slightly harsh. But yeah, you can understand it. Yeah, it's one of them. But at what point? Like, they just need to come out now and just say football's a non-contact sport because you can't touch anyone. Yeah, and like before, three, four years ago, that would have been fine. Leicester would have won the game because that's not a foul. Now it seems. Like you said, any contact of any sorts is going to go to VAR or this and the other, and it'll be overturned for a foul. And you're like, doesn't it's football is a contact sport? 
he's not injured the man. It should have been a goal and Leicester taken the three points. But um, just a final point on United before we move on to the uh, roundup of the rest of the games. I honestly believe, and I may be the only United fan saying this, I'd rather United miss out on European football next season. <sighs> honestly. honestly. Forget the Conference League, forget, forget the Europa either. League. Just yeah. give them a whole... I want just the manager, whether it's Ten Hag or Pochettino or a surprise manager, which I don't think it will be, it will be one of them too. Well, Just give that man... <laughs> I'll come up for that later. Just give that, whoever it is, just the 38 Premier League games and then potential 5 or 6 FA Cup and whatever the other one's fucking called, I can never remember. The you league you don't want any of the Conference League? No. Just give them a maximum of like 50 games considering how far they could potentially go in both of them competitions and that is it. Just have that manager have a reset season and just focus on the league rather than having the pressures of all this oh, Champions League, Europa League or uh, the Conference League. It just needs that clean build of not having to worry about anything else other than having a good season in the league. I'd say something like that has benefited Arsenal greatly. Yeah. And Spurs going out of the uh, Europa League as well, or Europa Conference League, whatever they were in. Yes, obviously, they couldn't do much about that stuff, but if you look post that, they've gone on a great run of form and are up to fourth in the league now. Yeah, see, there's benefits to it. There's also negatives, like, will players still want to be there as well? Yeah, I mean, you obviously do have that, like, uh, the likes of Paul Pogba, you would expect to move on this summer. Uh, I know Lingard, obviously, and I would expect one or two other players to leave, but at the same point, I'm like, okay, I'm not too disheartened because I want this whole new players, new manager, new, like, lease of life for Manchester United. Yeah, and did the last point of why on earth are you signing Bruno Fernandes to a new contract? <laughs> oh, fuck off, Paul Murphy. No, more on that later. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's roll the Yes. Uh, right, the rest of the game. Spurs had an impressive second half turnaround against Newcastle United. Beat, uh, ended up winning 5-1, which was just incredible to see. I mean, it, what the hell did Antonio Conte say at half-time to them? I can't even... No, I know I said you someone, but no, it, that was just be, being, or trying to be funny, but it's not. It was just, I saw, did you see all the Newcastle fans' reaction afterwards? It was quite funny. Mm. They've all been praising Dan Byrne for so long, and then instantly it's like, see, that's why Dan Byrne can't be our main centre-back. Like, what, you were saying he was weeks ago? Yeah, it is a bit strange how they could just turn on a player like that and you're just like hang on you've been praising him since you came in to the club in January and saying this is what we've needed for years and now he has one bad game against Spurs and like oh no we can't go anywhere we can't progress he's not the centre half we needed you're just like that's one bad game he's had don't get me wrong it was a bad bad game for Newcastle they they were terrible and there's been all the crabs as well at the same maximum is someone that they will allow us to leave. More I watch him, I go, yeah, you take 50 million, 
Like if someone comes in for him, like, watch you take that. Yeah. Although what I'm not happy is I'm mm. seeing all of it to Villa to go. Yeah, sign him, sign him. Like no, I don't want him anywhere near. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think he'd be. What has he got that Leon somewhere. Bailey doesn't already do? A cool headband. Exactly. Yeah, the Gucci headband. That's it. Oh God, let's not speak on Gucci unless if, if you've seen. I just want to say that that was actually more damning on Leon Bailey because he's not been very good either. Yeah, I know that. Don't worry. But yeah, very impressive uh, fight back from Spurs and oh, just watching Kulisevsky play. Just oh, he's such a joy to watch. That whole they've got a good front three. It's gone from being Kane yeah. and Santa now front three. It's there. It's stable. They will sign Kulisevsky. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. They just need to sort out behind them now. Yeah, they've got Christian Romero. Uh, That's another good defensive signing. They're yeah. going to sign him permanently as well. Yeah, I feel like they need really another defender there. That's something to work on in the summer. Yeah, because I mean, if you look at the back, uh, the other two that were playing in that back three yesterday, Ben Davis and Eric Dyer. Hey, Ben Davis got a goal. Yeah, I'm not disputing that, but let's talk defensively. He's a defender first, and then an attacker second. He's also a left back. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, I, I, I think Conte will go out in the summer and bring in one or two defensive reinforcements. Uh, right, let's finish off the Premier League round-up. So Norwich-Brighton finished 0-0, which I don't think anybody in the world is surprised about. Leeds and Southampton finished a one all draw. Uh, and Wolverhampton Wanderers won the West Midlands derby, not really a derby, 2-1 against Aston Villa. Hey, look, it made their weekend and, yeah, ruined mine. I mean, Aston Villa are uh, on holiday mode now. Not going down, not getting a European place. Got nothing to play for for the last eight games, really, apart from uh, final positioning for like financial reasons. It's a bad season if we finish 14th, if I'm being honest. like It's horrible when your season is just close to being done at the start of April. The aim of Aston Villa right now is to finish top half. And watching yeah. us right now, I wonder if we're even capable of that. Yeah, it has been a bit of a weird downward spiral that we've seen of Aston Villa. I mean, that's three we're, league defeats in a row now. To it's not West really Camas downward spiral. Wolves. We're just massively inconsistent. We are the weakest team physically in the whole league. We get bullied very easily. We get counter-attacked very easily. A lot of teams we see in the league win games because they have a great spine. Even when they don't play as well, they at least have that spine that helps them out. I look at West Ham as the best example in the Everton game. They weren't great, mm-hmm. but when you still got Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek doing good, that helps out. We've got Morgan Sanson and John McGinn. And yeah, sorry, it's the not, John McGinn hype uh... has got to stop. It, it, he's a li- in an attacking role. Yes, that's where he's best suited. When he's asked to play the role that he currently is with us, not the same player. No. There's light and day differences between the two versions of John McGinn, and it is becoming very telling that he can't play as defensively as he has done for uh, Villa this season. It's also the same with Jacob Ramsey. 
as well. And as much as he's looked good, he needs to be allowed to go forward more as well. Yeah, have the free roam of being the attacking player. It's always like I've been saying we needed a number six. I mean, I feel like I've heard that from you, what, since October, November time, so... <clears throat> we had the chance in January we failed. And if they don't do it in the summer, yeah. then there's no way Problems. voices will not be concerned in the fan base. Mm. And it will be aimed at like, oh. the likes of Christian Persler. Yeah, 100%. And it is very uh, worrying that that could potentially be a problem for you next season it's just funny now right, seeing people uh, think we're going to go and sign Calvin Phillips for 60 million Calvin Phillips isn't coming to yeah. Aston Villa no they used to pursue that maybe but Calvin Phillips rule that out I don't know why people think it's going to happen yeah uh, right hey, if it's all back in to... August go and on. he's a Villa player then hey hey <laughs> Yeah, you won't be complaining there. Happy to be wrong. Yes. Uh, still one game to go this weekend. That is this evening between Crystal Palace and Arsenal. Oh, I can't wait for this. This this has the makings of a very interesting game. Paddy Vieira auditioning to be Arteta's replacement when he beats them. Mm-hmm. If he beats them. And, <laughs> yeah, and uh, Monday Night Football as well. Wayne Rooney on it as well. Oh, God, you have to have What? Don't bring down it. What's that? He's a good man. He's a legend. Premier League Hall of Fame member as well. Who's the other person on it? Is it Neville? No, it's Carragher. Oh, thank God. Two scousers. So, uh, subtitles at the so ready, please. Be like, yeah, horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, let's have a quick whiz around the European action now, and we'll start off in La Liga. Barcelona managed to beat Sevilla 1-0 last night. Thanks to a fantastic goal from Pedri. I mean, what, what just oh, this what a goal was, it was! Yeah, this was something. Like, I was more impressed less by the finish. The finish was still good, but way more impressed by the fact that he sent two defenders to the supermarket. Oh, he sent them out for some paella and said, "Let's go have a si- uh, siesta afterwards," because oh, you are not getting back up after that. But, uh, you know, it's a good goal when he's still trending the day afterwards as well the reaction mm-hmm. of everyone has just made it feel like we're all aboard the Petri hype train now I mean I've been on the we've well, been on it since the Euros Barcelona. let's face it the band's played about 150 games yeah it's 19 years old played over 100 games I mean he missed a good portion of the early part of this season through injury but that's when Barcelona were playing bad under uh, their previous manager and now Xavi comes in they're playing well why? Because Pedri's back, and you can see he is a focal point of that Barcelona midfield. Xavi has turned him into Xavi. <laughs> yeah. Like Guardiola <laughs> turned Xavi into Guardiola, as I've said before. <laughs> and, and then who said Guardiola? Then you said Guardiola got turned into Croatia. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like 20, 20, 30 years down the line, we'll see Pedri as manager. Pedri for of manager Barcelona. in twenty forty. <laughs> that's going to be the case at this rate honestly but yeah uh, Barcelona just looking absolutely brilliant and again it was another assist for uh, Usmane Dembele who's just reinvigorating himself it's amazing what happens when you free of injury and a bit of confidence comes into you yeah you and can all that tell is, all, straight all that is still from the manager 
Yeah, you can tell that Shafi's just put his arm around Dembele and gone, look, I know what your quality is. Whatever minutes you can give me, give me that and just go out and be yourself because I know what you're capable of doing. He's also seen that if he doesn't do it, he'll be replaced by an absolute brick shit-ass in a Dharma Traore. Yeah. And, he saw it uh, quick by the door. I was like, well, I am buying good again. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, uh, oh, wait, Aubameyangs came as well? Right, let's go back to Dortmund days then. Yeah, I uh, feel like yeah, Aubameyang so as well has been a big part of that. They're obviously pretty good mates. Yeah. like And uh, the fact that uh, after the game, Joanne Laporte came out and saying, like, we would be happy for Dembele to stay now. Obviously, he's just got to realise our financial situation. Same with uh, Ronaldo Rojo as well. Uh, like, we want them to, we'd be happy for them to stay, but look, this we trying to do this financially capable for our clubs where we can actually bring you back and uh, be financially sound, which is uh, a smart thing to do because for far too long under previous uh, presidents, aka Bartomeu, shit got out of control. Yeah, but in that same statement, it was like, yeah, we need to be financially stable on and then phone rings. Sorry, what's that? Hey, how much? Erling Haaland? 80 million. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah, they won't do that. Right, okay, let's head 60. over to... However, what's the buyout clause? Mm-hmm. 75, I believe. 70, 60 to 75, I can't remember. Uh, let's head over to the top of La Liga, though, and speak on Real Madrid. Uh, winning 2-1 on uh, Saturday evening against Celta Vigo. What a game of events for Karen Benzema. Three penalties, two scored and one missed. What the hell happened there? <laughs> Were they all penalties? That's what I want to ask first. Yes. First one in the 19th minute, second in the 64th, the one he missed, and then the third penalty that he scored in the 70th minute. <laughs> he just couldn't write it up. I have to say, clearly the South Vigo striker Iago Aspas was a big fan afterwards, if you've seen his comments. Incoming fine for him. I think that's safe to say from uh, La Liga. They'll be giving him a fine. Many, di- many dineros. <laughs> but yeah, uh, a, a win's a win for Real Madrid, so it doesn't matter. And yeah, still got that 12-point lead at the top of the table with eight games left for Los Blancos. So it is looking like it should be a very good season for Carlo Ancelotti's side, who head into Champions League action later on this week, which we will speak on in a few minutes. Uh, We're talking fellow Madrid it? rivals... At... Let me just finish off I Atletico Madrid. I thought you were going to move on then. <laughs> I just instantly put it in. Jesus Christ. Let me finish off in Spain first. Uh, Atletico Madrid won 4-1 against... Uh, Deportivo, Alouez, Luis Suarez scoring a brace and two goals from João Felix as well uh, I mean João Felix is having a really good time now at Atleti and although he struggled with life at the start um, he's becoming really really uh, good under uh, Diego Simeone, I mean that's now eight goals for the season in La Liga with four assists I do think he uh will just keep going into his own over the next season or two. Bearing in mind he's still quite young. That's about that's what it's about. Apparently the well, you probably haven't watched the Diego Simeone Amazon series yet. No, not yet. I keep meaning to I already just noticed it mm. was on there toward the end of last week. So yeah, that's one to watch. Yeah. Um 
like that's the thing with Joao Felix. People think, oh, like his time is like up and all this. People got to remember he's still only twenty two years of age. Like he's been around for a while at Benfica and now what two three seasons at Atletico Madrid. He can still go into be one of the best strikers there is. He can. I'm like, sure he'll no be a fantastic centre forward applying in front of Pedro. Hmm. Right, now we can head over to the Bundesliga. Yes, we can because it's this week's edition of how Dortmund are trying to lose the Bundesliga. Yep, and this time it was a 4-1 loss to RB Leipzig. Uh, Konrad Leimer scoring a brace, Christopher Nkunku and Danny Olmer. <sighs> Jesus Christ, Dortmund. It doesn't matter what happens, it just... Sorry, I'll say that again. It doesn't matter what changes, same story. Every season, they just find a way to not keep up with Bayern. Yeah, I mean, we've got about five games left of the season now. Uh, Nine-point gap. It's just, you think it's there, but then the next week, they're just taken away from you again. And you're just like, time to race in Bundesliga? Nope, it's Bayern's to win. And you're just like, come on, just give us that hope. I mean, it's just been so inconsistent. I mean, their last three games... 1-0 def- uh, victory over Mainz, a 1-0 draw with Cologne, and then a 4-1 defeat to uh, Leipzig. Like, there's just no consistency in them this season. No, it doesn't help when your main opposition in Bayern Munich are then going on and winning 4-1. Yes, I mean, just doing what they usually do. Gretschka, a little bit of controversy in, and in this one. Yes, for a split well, I say a split second, more like 17 seconds, they had 12 players on the pitch. I mean, Jesus Christ, lads, how hard is it to get the fucking substitutes right? Just look over the board, right? This is the number off in red. This is the number is, coming on in green. something like how Freiburg and... Oh, what the, what what's the saying again? I think could like potentially like file a complaint or lodge. Yeah, they could f- lodge some something, of... but it's seventeen seconds. It's hardly like affecting. What point of the game was it? I can't even remember which one. I don't know whether it was Gnabry coming on and Pavard going off, or um... I meant the score. <laughs> oh well, it, if it was the Gnabry coming on, then it was one-one. But if it was the Sabitzer or Nicolas Zula, then I it was, it was already three-one. Yeah, so Komen going off for Marcel Sabitzer, then it was already 3 1. Oh, yeah. And, and they got, six minutes left. Weird, in the game. I completely forgot Marcel Sabitzer had signed for Bayern Munich just then. Yeah, he's been weirdly quiet at Bayern. Like, he's not a first team player. Well, that's a lot. He is a first team player, he's just not a main starter. Which is strange yeah. to say because he would get in most teams. And also the fact that Robert Lewandowski is just scoring a thousand goals a week, it seems, for Bayern Munich. Apart from this week, I don't think it's that score. excessive, but <laughs> it seems like because he always seems to be scoring. But uh, yeah, easy victory for them. Uh, elsewhere in the Bundesliga this week, Bayer Leverkusen beat Hertha Berlin two one, and uh, Augsburg beat VfL Wolfsburg three nil. Over to France, and finally. Messi, Mbappe and Neymar all scoring in the same game for the first time since they joined uh, in a 5-1 victory over Lorient Neymar scoring a brace 2 for Mbappe and 1 for Messi so league title done, dusted in France it was ages ago though wasn't it it's 
Mm. Uh, second place Marseille this weekend managed to beat Saint Etienne 4 2. Elsewhere, Lyon beat Angers 3 2. And Lille drew 0 0 with Bordeaux, which is poor for Lille considering how shocking uh, Bordeaux have been this season. And then finally, over to Italy, where there's a lot of controversy in the Juventus Inter Milan game over the award of Hakan Chalanoglu's penalty in the 40. Well, technically the 50th minute, but still the first half. Yeah, uh, because the uh, initial can't answer anything. I didn't see much on this. Uh, so the penalty had to be retaken because uh, Wojciech Chesney was off his line. Like the initial penalty was saved, but then they'd seen uh, he was off his line, so it had to be retaken. And then this time, Chalanoglu uh, converts the penalty and gave them a one-nil uh, victory over Juventus to keep uh, the title race in Italy very much hot as now it's only three points between uh, Inter Milan, Napoli and AC Milan at the top of the league speaking on AC Milan they obviously play later on this evening against Bologna Napoli beat Atalanta 3-1 in their game so it's a very hot title race over in Italy and I'm glad we've got one title race somewhere in the European leagues yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right, uh, let's head over to the worst take of the weekend. Oh, we're going straight there. <laughs> yes. Well, let's be honest, there's numerous this week. You told me you had quite a few. You see, we'll go first with the one that we mentioned, the Bruno Fernandes contract talk. Was it a good idea? Yes. Was it a bad idea? Numerous pundits seem to question it. Which I don't understand why. Yeah. Paul Burson was the first one we saw on Saturday, and then I believe Chris Sutton also brought it up. Yeah. I mean, I don't let's think just know why sit. I think that. Like, Bruno Fernandes is one of the top players for Manchester United on his day. So why would they not want to keep him? Yeah. Probably our best signing that we've made in a long long time and you're questioning why you're giving him a new contract yes I know there's no manager there set for next season but I don't see a manager that would come in and say I don't want Bruno get rid of him within the first few months of being at the club like he he could could and will be so clinical to Manchester United they talked about in the sense that the next manager comes in and they don't like the fact that he moans a lot which is a bit you know, if you're the manager, you then go, well, maybe put an arm around him and say, keep your head. Just keep calm. Mm-hmm. Don't lose your head. Because then players yeah, will just target you. Exactly. It's just one of them where you're like, mm, this is what you have to do as a manager. You just, like, if they are, like, someone that likes to strap or something, like you said, just sit them down, okay? This is how we get the best out of you. Don't do this, don't do that. Uh, another pundit coming out with a ridiculous take was uh, Michael Dawson, also on Soccer Saturday this past weekend, saying that he would see Brendan Rodgers as uh, an ideal replacement for Ralph Ragnit, Ragnick sorry, as Manchester United manager. At the time, I mean, this sounded quite outrageous, didn't it? But then we saw the game, and who knows, maybe it would be a slight improvement. Shut up. <laughs> no, it's about it. Obviously, out of all the options, Brendan Rodgers is absolutely not the option they should be going for. 
You'd be back no. in the same cycle that you are now in three seasons' time. I, I wouldn't even say that. I genuinely think you'd last twenty. I wouldn't. I think you'd last a year and a half, two years. Yeah. It would, if he was, that would spoil. Would start after the the year and a half at least. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And he's just like, he's not the type of manager we need at the club. Like, yes, he can get good results at Leicester, and he did okay at Swansea, but he's not a proven winner of big trophies. Yes, he won the FA Cup with Leicester, but is he the manager that's going to win Man United a Premier League title or get Man United back fighting for a Premier League title? For me, no. Yeah, was there any other bad takes you saw? Uh, not, not that I have seen. Uh, Could I maybe add one and choice to say it? that Villa have a good midfield? Who said that? Pretty much quite a few. <laughs> I think it might have actually been Paul Mercer then. Again, he said one of the best areas Villa have got in the team right now is the midfield. Well, it's our weakest position right now. <laughs> So it seems like we're giving Paul Merson the award for worst take of the se- uh, of the season, Jesus but, Christ, no, uh, of the harsh, weekend. No. <laughs> no, but, we'll give yeah, him the worst take the week, of the Unfortunately, weekend. I have to give it to Paul Merson for this week. I like Merson. Yeah. Mm. Some good, some bad points from him. Right. Uh, you can however, very what, easily what, tell when he's not fully researched into anything. Hmm. Right, uh, something that will always give us good talking points is the Champions League, as that is back this week. Uh, starting off tomorrow, we have Benfica versus Liverpool and Manchester City versus Atletico Madrid. Both games kicking off at 8pm. Benfica-Liverpool, you got to say, um, although Liverpool are away in this first leg, they've got to be strong favourites in this tie and a hole. Uh, no disrespect to Benfica and it will be a hard game for Liverpool at the Estadio do Sport Lisboa but uh, I do expect Liverpool to come out on top and I wouldn't be surprised if I see Diogo Jota come up with a brace in this one that's my early prediction for that yeah I don't think Benfica will make it easy for them they'll be making it as difficult oh, no, as possible and it will be interesting to see what Darwin New is, is about oh, I would love to see him come to the Premier League this summer has been linked with a few clubs, Man United being one of them. And Villa as well, interestingly, but no chance. Yeah, He's not heard we're spending £60 the... million on Calvin Phillips. Yes. Another good young Uruguayan forward from Club Peñarol over in Uruguay. Uh, Man City, Atletico Madrid. I don't know how this game finishes. The full conquering of Manchester begins. Or does Pep Guardiola once again get the better of Simeone? Well, it will be an interesting clash of styles, won't it? Yeah. I yeah, I think this is definitely the tie for uh, this quarter-final round of the Champions League. And then on Wednesday, Villarreal take on Bayern Munich and Chelsea host Real Madrid at Stamford Bridge. So uh, some really interesting games to look forward to this week in the Champions League. And we'll talk about the action uh, later on this week as we review the weekend's games. Uh, midweek games and preview the weekend's games, sorry. You were wrong. Yes, right. Uh, anything else for anything else? Or is that the lot? Uh, well, I think we have to give our support out to Louis van Gaal after he revealed his diagnosis yes. of prostate yes, cancer. Uh, absolutely horrible to see. And you don't obviously wish that upon anyone with... Uh, 
footballing world or just a person of the general population it is a horrible thing but yeah let's hope uh, Louis van Gaal can make a full and healthy recovery and be there with the Netherlands come uh, later on this year for the World Cup right that is the end of this week's show we'll be back uh, like I said at the end of this week to look ahead to the weekend's action and back on the Champions League uh, games and anything else that comes up in the week make sure you follow us at on Twitter at OffTCPod for all the latest news and stories and until then it's goodbye from Brad see ya and it's goodbye from me we'll see you soon <laughs>